Welcome to Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. Today on the show, I will have Father Andy Dickinson with me by Zoom. We will talk about the works of mercy and how we can use those to help evangelize. Uh, he is so fun to have on the show. It's the first time I've had him on the show. Dr. Bergwald has used to have him as a co-host on All his own time. show. All the time. So I was lucky enough to, to get him on my show finally. So it was fun. Uh, first, we're going to talk to you. Biblical. Well, we're going to talk to Dr. B for some biblical bites with Dr. B. Bergwald. It's, B is for Bergwald. Okay. <laughs> I'm skipping the week. We're in Mark. We're, okay. we're diving Great. in. We're diving. We have a lot week. to talk about, apparently. Uh, so the gospel. So we're we are back. We're back to Mark. You know, okay. we talked for the last several yep. weeks how we've been doing this Joannine interlude, as the scholars might say. Ooh. The Joannine interlude. So Joannine John. So we're looking at uh, the Bread of Life discourse for the last several weeks, but we're back to John because it's back, to Mark. back to Mark. Okay, because it's year B in the three year cycle. So uh, I want to focus on the on the gospel today uh, again. Um, so this is how it starts off. This is for, it's from Mark chapter seven, the first part of chapter seven. When the Pharisees with some scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they observed that some of his disciples ate their meals with unclean, that is unwashed hands. For the Pharisees, and in fact, all Jews do not eat without carefully washing their hands, keeping the tradition of the elders. And on coming from the marketplace, they do not eat with pure, without purifying themselves. And there are many other things that they have traditionally observed, the purification of cups and jugs and kettles and beds. So the Pharisees and the scribes questioned him. So it, where I sort of sped up there, that's like a parenthetical remark. I mean, literally in the case right. of this translation, they just put it in dashes, the, the editors. Mm -hmm. um, so Mark is just sort of inserting this that little explanation about well, what's the deal about unclean and unwashed hands. Right. So we, so in, in, it's been a while, but we talked at one point about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Right. Yes. But I want to go a little bit deeper and specifically talk about what's going on here. So, Renee, when you think Pharisees, what do you think? You're going to ask me. I was just thinking to myself, I don't think I remember any of that. That's right. Is that <laughs> that's why you looked over here all funny looking? <laughs> yes, Bill, like, Bill, what no. are you? you know, I'm this, not answering this you know, week. Oh, okay. No comments. Because I skipped over what week it is and what gospel we're in. And last <laughs> week, you know, we're focusing the gospel, not the last second week reading. Last week was a train wreck. Yeah. So. <laughs> Poor Bill. Um, the Pharisees were priests? No. No. They were, they paid very close attention to the law. They did. So, but I'm glad you started with, with the, the wrong answer of priests because. No problem. I got you. Because <laughs> I think we often have this when we read the gospels, because they're, they're often here, they are lumped together with scribes from Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Scribes aren't necessarily priests themselves either, but um, the Pharisees were actually just simply very zealous um, Jewish laymen. Okay. That, who, who took certain traditions very, very seriously. So the word Pharisee itself felt so in, in the, the, the Hebrew word that the English word Pharisee comes from means separated. Okay. So the fair, the, the Pharisaical movement began a few centuries before Jesus, um, as the bill looked over, was there a question there? Ms. Pharisaical, Pharisaical, large word. nine interlude, Pharisaical <laughs> movement. And I need a dictionary for this episode. Uh, um, <laughs> so the, the Pharisaical movement began a few centuries before Jesus. So the Holy Land, centuries before Jesus, had been conquered by foreign powers, right? So right. we've talked about this. So yep. for a long time, there have been different foreign powers that are occupying and controlling the Holy Land. Well, Pharisees were a group of Jews who said, no, we were the Jewish people. I don't care. I don't care if they were Greeks or the Romans. We're different from those Gentiles, from the pagans. Right. We are, and we're faithful to the 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 Torah, 
to the law given by God to through Moses to the people. We're going to remain faithful to the Torah and, and all of the other laws that Moses himself, we're going to remain, remain faithful to the people as a, to show that we're separate, faithful to the Torah, to show that we're separate from all these other people and to make sure that we stay true to the, the Torah. We are going to basically keep all these other traditions that are like, so if, if the, the, the Torah is like, um, Think of like like a uh, thinking. Never mind. Forget the metaphor. Forget the metaphor. Okay. The 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 oral traditions of Pharisees are a fence that they built around the Torah, so to speak. So in order that I never actually got it, the Torah is like a swimming pool. And what do good parents do? They build a fence around the yes. swimming pool so their kids don't accidentally fall into the pool. Right. So the, the 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 oral traditions of the Pharisees are there to prevent Jews like themselves who take the the Torah very seriously mm-hmm. from ever violating the Torah. So okay. in today's reading, we're reading about um, Jesus. Jesus' disciples eating their meals with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. So they're being ritually impure. Mm-hmm. So it's not about like so much about the hands are literally are dirty. dirty. Right. It's that they're not, they haven't been ritually purified. Now, in the Torah, doing things like ritual purifications were, were mostly for the actual, for the priests mm-hmm. to do. Okay. But the, what, again, what do the Pharisees do? They take the Torah and they build a, a fence around it. Mm-hmm. So we're showing we don't want to violate the Torah at all. And we're showing that we take the Torah very seriously. So we're going to apply these, in this case, these, these, these ritual purification, these rich, these purification rituals. We're going to apply them to all of us. Right. If you are like us, a serious Jew, if you're faithful, if you're really serious about not violating the Torah, then you too will follow these other traditions, mm-hmm. not found in the Torah, but we've been following them for centuries as the way of making sure that we're staying true to the law of Moses, true to the Torah given to, to us by God through Moses, and to show that we are different than the Gentiles and the pagans. And they didn't like that Jesus didn't do that. And Jesus didn't do that. And right. Why? That's another thing we can get into some other time. But the point here is that when we understanding what's going on here, right. this is what's happening. Jesus is breaking some of those lower T traditions that serious Jews observed. Great explanations. I hope I can remember them for next time. You can rewatch the video. I can. Thanks, Dr. B. You bet. Joining me today is Father Andrew Dickinson. He is with us by Zoom because Aberdeen's a long ways away. So. Welcome, Father Dickinson. Thank you very much. It's great to to be joining you. I'm so glad you agreed to come talk to us today. We are going to talk about the corporal and spiritual works of mercy today. Um, You, this is something that we did a a story in the uh, Bishop's Bulletin that'll be coming up in September, and this was a topic that came up in your interview with our writers. So I wanted to bring you on to talk about this a little bit Um, before we start. How are things going in Aberdeen? Uh, things are very good up in Aberdeen. Uh, uh, the day that we're uh, uh, visiting is the first day of classes mm-hmm. for uh, the Aberdeen Catholic School System and Aberdeen Public Schools start tomorrow. It's also the first day of classes for uh, Northern State. So oh uh, a lot of energy, a lot of excitement uh, going on in Aberdeen right. and a lot of excitement also too with the parishes uh, 
Bishop DeGroote is trying uh, one of his uh, new things mm-hmm. uh, up here where these uh, two historic parishes are now sharing one pastor, uh, lowly. Which is uh, you. <laughs> yes. Uh, with, uh, with three associates, uh, three wonderful associates uh, to work with me uh, in those duties. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a great new time of adventure up here. Yeah. Is, that, is that working out pretty well so far? Uh, yes. Good. You know, it's uh, still experiencing first things sure. and uh, new experiences from, uh, you know, making sure the phones work during emergency hours. Right. Right. That when people are in need, they can get to someone and uh, hopefully not have to dial two parishes or something like that. Right. And then uh, also, um, also just adapting to the pastor being less available. Sure. Uh, you know, so I was thinking a bit about uh, uh, parents when they have, you know, an, an additional child, maybe they have their fourth child, their fifth child, and uh, the parents have to get used to being less available to their current children. Mm-hmm. And their children have to go through experience of adjusting to their parents being less available to them. Right. And so just, uh, you know, myself experiencing that, to being less available and experiencing my parishioners adjusting mm-hmm. uh, to that as well. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, hopefully they're doing well with that. I imagine they're they doing are. great. They're Good. being so generous and wonderful. It's uh, Good. Uh, very encouraging. And I, I knew they were going to be that way, but yeah. it's great to see them uh, performing this way. Yeah. And it helps that you have some really great associates up there. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm really glad you could spend some time with us today. I know it's really busy up there, so I really appreciate that. Yeah, happy to. All right, so um, let's just start uh, with the spiritual and corporal works of mercy. Can you tell us what they are? Uh, certainly. So there are ways for us as Catholics to think about how we can uh, be helping uh, others and helping uh, take part in God's own mercy and God's own action uh, in the lives of his people. Uh, so God's mercy is always at work in the world ever since uh, the fall of Adam and Eve, ever since he first uh, you know, gave those uh, fig leaves, mm-hmm. uh, or excuse me, the animal skins to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had used fig leaves, and our Lord gave them uh, animal skins to cover themselves. So that was that first uh, corporal work of mercy ever done was by uh, our Lord to, uh, to our first parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so our Lord uh, is at work in this way. And so the works of mercy are ways for us to visualize, to imagine, and to think about how we can uh, take part in his own uh, great work of mercy in the lives of those around us. Can you list them for us too, just so everyone can remember what they are? I hope you have a sure thing. Sure thing. <laughs> and to take the pressure off your listeners too, you know, you can Google uh, mm-hmm. works of mercy and there's a fine little short Wikipedia page about it. Uh, it does a nice little job list them out, uh, but they are, so there's the corporate works of mercy, which have to do with our bodily life. Mm-hmm. So from the Latin word uh, for the body, uh, corporal, uh, to feed the hungry, to give water to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, uh, to shelter the homeless, to visit the sick, uh, to visit those that are imprisoned, or even to ransom the captive, mm-hmm. kind of older version there. And then uh, to bury the dead being the seventh of those corporal works of mercy. So again, to feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, uh, to clothe the naked, to shelter the homeless, to visit the sick, to visit those that are imprisoned or even ransom the captive, and then finally to bury the dead. Mm -hmm. And the spiritual works, what are those? Yeah, so the spiritual works of mercy have to do with uh, helping with someone else's spiritual life. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they're less tangible in a sense, but more about uh, your neighbor's own life, 
uh, with our Lord. So they are to instruct the ignorant, to counsel the doubtful, to admonish sinners, to bear patiently those who would wrong us, to forgive offenses, to comfort the afflicted, and finally to pray for the living and the dead. A lot of those are not so easy, are they? (laughs) No. (laughs) God doesn't. Well, nothing's easy, so I guess we'll just take it that way. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, yeah. Easy is not the category to measure our lives. Right. Um, in the story, uh, the story was about is about um, evangelizing in everyday life, and so one of the first places, or at least in in the writer's uh, uh, written version of the story, the first place you went was into these corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Can you tell us why you did that? You know, uh, it's there's no great uh, inspiration, I'd say, mm-hmm. or no great program, but just kind of a a logical conclusion. And this really came about uh, during Pope Francis's year of mercy, which was what, four or five years ago now. Um, but just uh, kind of making some connections um, about, uh, you know, we think about some of the things that we struggle with mm-hmm. uh, that keep us from being merciful. And one of the things that really made an impression on me was gossip. Oh, yes. you know, how often do people say they struggle with gossip, mm-hmm. workplace gossip, family gossip, school gossip, right? And how often when we think about the, th- when, when you look at what we gossip about, how often what we gossip about, about is often things like the spiritual works of mercy, mm-hmm. right? So we're, you know, uh, gossiping about someone's ignorance. We're talking about someone's doubt, okay? We're laughing at their sins or their faults, mm-hmm. okay? We're tearing them down because they wronged us, they hurt us. Uh, and those are all things uh, that we actually should have mercy on them for rather than delighting in them, which is what gossip kind of is. Gossip is my delighting in someone else's misfortune. Right. So where did, well, let's go here instead. Do people naturally use either one or the other to evangelize? And, then, and, and why is that if they do? Well, yeah, you know, I think they're pretty intuitive in a sense for someone who's, um, you know, really digested the gospel, intellectually digested, uh, lovingly digested the gospel. You know, we want to love like Jesus loved. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about uh, the wristbands that I don't like, let's say WWJD, right. you know, and I've uh, complained about those things before. Um, but, uh just I don't want to go down a rabbit hole on that, but um, <laughs> and so you know we, we kind of do do those things naturally in the sense of uh, especially the corporate works of mercy, right, right, and the corporate works of mercy are very intuitive, I think, to our modern age, mm-hmm. uh, whereas the spiritual works of mercy are less so for a couple of reasons, and becoming less so every day. It seems like which I would is say unfortunate, so. yeah. Um, so you said that real evangelization comes through the spiritual works. What did you mean by that? Well, kind of going to, to just what we said about how uh, you and I both agree, and uh, maybe our listeners might um, think that too, that uh, the spiritual works of mercy seem to be less obvious mm-hmm. uh, or less intuitive to us in our day. That's because of the culture that we live in. Yeah. Um, now, some maybe some of our listeners read a book that Bishop DeGroote was recommending mm-hmm. us to read last year from Uh, entitled From Christendom to Apostolic Mission. Mm -hmm. And in that book, it talks about the idea of uh, a Catholic imaginary vision. 
And an imaginary vision is not so much like my, my creativity. Right. Uh, my imaginary vision is the lens through which I look at the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Ron Colley uh, school teachers talk about, uh, for in some areas of student success, they have the idea of a frame, right? The frame through which the student looks at problems or situations, right? What I see influences how I feel, how I feel influences what I do, what I do influences what I get, and what I get influences, again, how I feel about things. Mm-hmm. And so our imaginary vision really is that, that way that we look at the world. And we don't look at the world in a Catholic sense because a Catholic sense would see someone in ignorance and want to say, oh, I need to inform them or would see a sinner and say, I need to correct them for the sake of their soul. You know, I'm thinking of the words, I believe it's the prophet Ezekiel, uh, who says, you know, if you uh, correct a sinner, if you admonish a sinner, you don't have to successfully correct them, but just to admonish them, you've saved your soul. Right. Right. Uh, and God when you save them. But if you see a sinner and you don't admonish them, mm-hmm. you know, it's on your soul, right. uh, the prophet Ezekiel, I believe, says. Um, so these are less intuitive because we're becoming more and more relative mm-hmm. uh, in that sense. And maybe our listeners have heard you or Dr. Bergwald talk before and others about relativism, especially moral relativism, the thought that there is no moral right or wrong, but just whatever uh, we might choose it to be that I myself decide the meaning of right and wrong. Right. And in that comes this idea of tolerance, too, where we should tolerate basically anything anyone wants to do, but really God doesn't ask us to tolerate sin. So, and that's, I think, where that kind of comes from. And I probably right. said that wrong, so you go ahead and correct me. <laughs> well, the, well, you know, uh, the best lies have as much truth as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I learned that as a teenager when I was trying to lie to my parents about, uh, you know, ordering pizza when they told me to eat leftovers <laughs> and I ordered pizza um, and I never fooled them. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, so the best lies have as much truth as possible. So tolerance, God does tolerate evils. Right. I mean, you know, God doesn't strike me down uh, for my many sins, you know, which deserve death. Right. Right. You know, he tolerated the evil of Adam and Eve, even though they committed an injustice against him the moment that they violated his will and ate the fruit. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in order that they might be saved, he patiently endured or tolerated uh, that evil for the sake of uh, their redemption. Right, right. So if we do tolerate, we tolerate for the sake of uh, moving towards a goal, not uh, the modern culture uses tolerance more as acceptance. Right. And I think that's where where kind of those spiritual works have disappeared a little bit because we think we have to accept all of those things and instead of just tolerate and and hope, you know, admonish the sinner and so on. So, yeah. It's not very accepting at right. all to admonish the sinner. No, not at all. Um uh, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Father Andy Dickinson about the spiritual and corporal works of mercy. So, um, where did these come from? Are they in the Bible? Or, yep. So, uh, you know, first of all, the uh, corporate works of mercy mainly come from Matthew chapter twenty-five. Okay. Right uh, when Jesus uh, talks about uh, that, uh, the Son of Man comes in glory. He will seat. Uh, he will divide the people in two: sheep on his right, goats on his left. You know, and say to them, to the blessed, to the sheep, you know, you did these things, you did it to me. Mm-hmm. That famous connection with Mother Teresa, the gospel in five words, right? Mm-hmm. You did it to me. 
Um, the court, the spiritual works of mercy are not in a condensed area, but they all are kind of a sense pulled out from the scriptures. Okay. Uh, in that way, okay. you know, I can mention the prophet Ezekiel on the admonishing the sinner, and we see really our Lord acting out uh, these spiritual works of mercy uh, in right. many ways. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. So, what kinds of real life opportunities to evangelize using the works of mercy should we be aware of? Yeah, um, you know, it, it, it's tough, and especially the spiritual works of mercy, because as I said, I think I used the phrase countercultural mm-hmm. uh, in what I uh, wrote in for the Bishop's Bulletin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to be on the lookout for those real-life opportunities, but I think the best way to find them is amongst those pre-existing relationships we have, okay, okay our neighbors, uh, the parents of our children's friends. Right. Hopefully, you know, our listeners seek to become friends with the parents of their children's friends, Mm -hmm. Um, co-workers. Okay, respectful, maybe of limitations that might be there due to HR and things of that sort. Um, But these are the avenues. Right. That's uh, uh, that friendship allows you kind of that way to, to speak to someone and to speak to someone hopefully that you care about, because these always should be. You know, one of, uh, one of the dangers we have is, um, is that politicization of things, uh, not which I mean, you know, vote for this person, vote for that person, right. but in the sense of um, I'm right, you're wrong, and because I'm right, I now have the upper hand over you, right? right? You're now in my, my debt, whereas, you know, the works of mercy are always done as a free gift of love without expectation of return. Um, and, uh, to be given for the sake of the King of love in heaven and, and not just, uh, and certainly not to, in some way, gain, uh, some ground or authority over another. Right. So it's probably really important if you're going to be trying to evangelize people to be in a good state yourself. Uh, so a lot of prayer is probably needed. Yes. But at the same time, uh, don't let that disqualify right. you from, from attempting. Sure, sure. You know? That's a good so, point. So <laughs> uh, Pope Francis had a phrase from the, I think it was the first World Youth Day after he was elected uh, down in Brazil. I don't remember the year, uh, but saying Hagan Leo. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing correctly, whether that's Portuguese, but basically <laughs> make a mess. Oh, yes. I remember yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Go make a mess. Uh, <laughs> so make a mess. <laughs> um. Okay, so do you have some examples of evangelizing examples that you have seen or maybe you've experienced yourself that kind of use these works of mercy? Yeah. Well, you know, certainly in my years on uh, the college campus, Mm -hmm. um, right, where um, someone themselves goes through a conversion moment, you know, and then they start to reach out to others. So um, uh, just thinking of this one right now, uh, laughing at the memory of it one year, uh, for Lent, we bought a bunch of books by, uh, Matt Frad mm. about pornography addiction, mm-hmm. um, delivered. And we just gave them away on Ash Wednesday. And I noticed, uh, one guy from the football team, an active Catholic who would come at, come in a couple times a week and just pick up another copy of the book. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, Jake, what's going on? And he said, well, I'm just leaving it out in my dorm room. And uh, guys from the team come over and they look at it and they're like, oh, can I, can I have this? I'm like, yeah, sure. Take it. And let's keep on bringing more in for those guys uh, to look at. 
That's great. What a simple way to evangelize <laughs> in, exactly. a, in a very needed but, place. And, but also through trusted friendships. Yes. You know, he was a leader on the team and he didn't force it on anyone mm-hmm. in that way, but he was proposing it and making it available to them. Right. One of the best and so, ways. Yeah, and I know he was also a man of prayer, so I know he was praying for them as well. Right, right. Um, you mentioned in the story the role of youth in evangelizing adults through their witness as well. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting. Um, what have you seen? Where have you seen this happen? I imagine you've seen it or you wouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly you know, in my 11 years at South Dakota State, you know, many times parents I would reach out. Uh, talking about how they've been reinvigorated in faith because of their children uh, and how their children have embraced the faith in a way that they never did when they were that age. Uh, But even just think right now, thinking of a story uh, from the founders of Totus Tuus. We now, uh, we had Totus Tuus for many years in our diocese. Now with some changes there, Gallagher uh, branding it as Lumen Christi. Mm -hmm. But that same program, uh, I believe this was down in Wichita, you know, a family that sent their young girl there, you know, third grade girl or whoever, uh, to go to Totus Tuus, and she enjoyed it and she loved it. Um, and the week was done and she got all ready and got dressed to go to Sunday mass, but her parents didn't want to go to mass because they didn't regularly go to Sunday mass. Okay. And so she's all dressed up. She knocks on the door, uh, to be taken to Sunday mass. And they're like, no, no, we're going to bed. And she's like, well, no, we need to go to mass. No. Well, let me ride my bike there then. Oh, wow. No, you can't ride your bike to church, you know. And she's like, "Well, you let me ride my bike to the library, and it's about the same distance." Fine, you can ride your bike. <laughs> and so she rides her bike to mass and comes back. And then the next Sunday, you know, she does the same thing. Knocks on the door, and her parents, "What? You know, I'm gonna go to mass." No, well, let me ride my bike. Okay. And that goes on a couple more Sundays until finally one Sunday she knocks on the door, and her parents open the door, and they're dressed and ready to go to mass with her. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Those little things can really make a difference. And we can't discount uh, what young people, kids, how, what kind of influence they can have on adults. So Amen. that's really cool. Um, do you have any tips for us to help us in evangelizing situations just in our regular life? We have about a minute or so. Yeah. So just really quickly, uh, number one, be patient. You know, you don't need to do it all at once. Uh, God is very patient. Uh, number two, pray for that opportunity, you know, and uh, be attentive as well. If you're someone who's shy, like you're more reserved, mm-hmm. you're not one to speak your mind, and all of a sudden you have a prompting to say something, that's probably the Lord. Right. Now, if you're right. someone who's always shooting your mouth off, uh, maybe be more re- reluctant to do it. Right. You know, kind of follow those promptings of the Holy Spirit in that way. Right. Um, but then be courageous enough to fail. Oh, yeah. And if you do fail, apologize. Sure. Sure. And we don't always know everything. So it's okay to say, you know what, I need to find that out and let me get back to you. If something like that comes up, I think you don't know what God might be, have faith in what God might be doing in their lives that you don't know about. Right. For sure. All right. Um, If you, uh, when you get the Bishop's Bulletin, make sure you read this story. It is in the missionary discipleship section. And uh, it's a really great um, story on evangelizing and Father Dickinson did a great job. So thanks for being here with us today. My pleasure. All right. Uh, If you haven't found us on social media yet, you can find us at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. These uh, programs, Catholic Views, Ignition, uh, are all on video on YouTube if you haven't found them that way yet. You can find us at SF Diocese on any of those channels. That is it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic Views. (music) 